Exodus chapter 13. We're continuing, of course, our study of a great book, this great book which is showing the redemption of God's people Israel from bondage in Egypt. And, and I'm going to give just a, a little bit of, sort of a review in just a second. But led by Moses, God redeemed his people and brought them out of Egypt after over 400 years being there. Last time we saw the tenth and final plague, it was the death of the firstborn. Let me remind you what happened. The nation of Israel is in, it was in bondage in Egypt. God raised up Moses and Aaron, but Moses, they went in to the Pharaoh and said, God's let my people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So God brought judgment on the gods of Egypt. And each one of the plagues that if you remember studying in the scripture of the plagues, each one of those was a judgment on the gods of Egypt. The very last plague was the death of the firstborn. And that was a plague on one of the gods of Egypt because the firstborn son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh is considered to be a god. His firstborn son was considered to be a god. The God had told the Jewish people uh, that this is how, that there was going to be a death in every home in Egypt on a particular night. He didn't say just the Egyptians. He said in every home. But he made a provision for the Jewish people. He told them to get a lamb and kill the lamb, put the blood on the door, eat the lamb, be ready to leave, because in that night God would pass through, and when he saw the blood on the door, he would pass over their homes. That's why that lamb was called the Passover lamb. So God provided for the nation. So God at midnight passed through the land of Egypt, killing the firstborn. And then you could see that God provided a substitute for the nation of Israel. It was the Passover lamb. By faith, they put the blood on the door, put the the blood of the lamb on the door, and God saw that and passed over. God redeemed his people by the blood of the Lamb. Now this, what we're seeing in the book of Exodus, and that's when we saw, see the scripture, the Bible tells us that the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our instructions. And what we realize is this, that this is a picture of our salvation, that God redeemed us by the blood of the Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. He delivered us from the bondage of sin. And so in the same way that God delivered the nation of Israel from the bondage of Egypt by a Passover Lamb, God has delivered us from the bondage of sin by our Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. And so as we're looking at this passage, we've just seen the death of the firstborn and they're leaving and they're going out and the Egyptians are even telling them to leave and Moses had actually told the, the nation of Israel to go to their neighbors and ask for silver and gold and clothes and they asked for them and the Egyptians just gave them everything and the Bible says that they even plundered they plundered the Egyptians so they're leaving and we're going to see the two million people there were 600,000 men not counting the women and the children if there's just one woman and one child for each of those 600,000 it's over two million people probably even more than that and they're leaving Now, as we see this passage, several things stand out. First of all, once you see, we're going to see the redemption of the firstborn. That's the key. We're going to see the memorial is so that the Jewish people will never forget. We're going to see what God has done, and we're going to see how God is leading his people. So there's a number of things we'll see in our passage tonight. And as always, as we go through this, uh, if you've got a particular question, you can stop me. Or at the very end, we'll always have some time for questions at the end as well. So either way. So uh, there are a number. I want you to think about this as we start. There are a number of key areas that we need uh, to do so that we can grow as believers. Think about this. Here's some of them. Uh, One would be to study the Scripture. I mean, if we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, the Bible, the Word of God says, study to show yourself approved, a workman need not be ashamed, handling accurately the Word of God. We're to study the Scripture. We should have time in which we're digging the Bible. There's a second thing we do, should do, and that is to fellowship with fellow believers. The Bible talks about, seek not to forsake the assembly of ourselves, but come together with fellow believers. And we call that coming together in the church or a small group or something, and we fellowship. There's a third thing that we should do if we're going to grow, and that is to witness. That is to tell people the good news message. And we talked about it this morning. 
and especially in our Sunday school class, we talked about the issue of knowing what the message is and knowing how to present the message. The message is that Jesus died and rose again and whoever believes in him has eternal life. To present that message, to be very clear on the gospel message and, and so witnessing. But there is another area that is important as we seek to grow and that is this. And that is scripture memorization. That is putting God's word into our hearts. Now think about that. If we're going to grow, we say, well, I want to study the Bible. I want to fellowship with believers. I want to share my faith. I want to memorize the word of God. Psalms tells us to hide God's word in our hearts. We memorize the word so that we can know the truths and principles. You think about it, that as you go through life, uh, if you've memorized scripture and an issue comes up, you can remember what the scripture says about particular things. Now, there are a lot of ways to memorize the Bible. Some have little packets of verses. Some have sheets. Some have all kinds of times. How would you react is if you walked into church and a person came through the door and they had a little box tied right there and a string around their head and a little box right there. And you said to them, what's in the box? And they said, oh, it's some scripture. I, I've got some verses that I've memorized, and I put them in the little box, and I put them right here so I won't forget them. You'd say, that's a little dumb. But that's not dumb because that's exactly what the Jewish people do. They call phylacteries, and they took copies, little portions of God's word, put them in little boxes, and tied them around here and tied them around here, and those kind of things. We'll see where they get that. Where did that come up from? And we'll see that as we go through it. Today, many of the Orthodox Jews do that same thing. God wants us to know the Word and not forget what He has done. As we look in Exodus chapter 13, God tells the nation of Israel that they must not forget what He has done for them. We see the memorial of the firstborn. Now think about this. You remember what was the, plat- the last plague was the death of the what? The firstborn. And so the firstborn belongs to God. We're going to see from this point on, God says to the nation of Israel, the firstborn belongs to me because I delivered the firstborn out of Egypt. Because if you hadn't put the, if you hadn't killed the Passover lamb, put the blood on the door, what would have happened to the firstborn of, of any son in Egypt and any son of the Jewish people living in Egypt? They would have died. So God says, I provided a way and the firstborn belongs to me. Now, there's a great truth. We can never forget what God has done for us, giving his son, giving eternal life as a gift. So we don't want to forget that either. Let's begin. We've just seen, I think, one of the greatest events in the Scripture. In fact, I mentioned this morning that chapters, I, I said this morning, chapters 13 and 14 are two of the most famous passages in the Bible. Actually, 12, 13, and 14 go together of Exodus because you see the death of the firstborn, you see them coming out, and in verse chapter 14, you see them crossing the Red Sea. So those three chapters are powerful. We've just completed chapter 12. Tonight, we're going to look at chapter 13, and then next time, we'll get into chapter 14. So we've seen the play. We've seen this. In chapter 12, verse 14, here's what God said. Chapter 12, verse 14, he said, This will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast through all your generations. And then later on in chapter 12, he said, uh, When your children ask, What is all this about? Say it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. So he did not want them to forget. So three things in our passage that I want you to see. We'll see the redemption of the firstborn. We'll see the memorial of not to forget. And we'll see how God is leading and protecting his people. Now let me break down the passage for you because we're going to do the entire chapter. It's uh, 22 verses. We'll go fairly quickly through it. There's some key things in there I want you to see. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, we see the setting apart of the firstborn. We call that redemption. 3 through 10, the instruction for the feast. 11 through 16, the details on firstborn so they won't forget. And 
then at the very end of the passage in verses 17 through 22, it's God's leading. And we're going to see the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It's, it's amazing what God does. Let's look at chapter 13. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of men of man and beast, it belongs to me. Now, God is continuing to give instructions. Now, if you notice carefully, look again at verse 13. If you notice, it says, Then the Lord, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Once again, that's the personal name of God. That's Y-H-W-H in Hebrew. And that's God saying this is the personal God speaking to Moses. And it's great to know that God is giving revelation to Moses. It's great to know that God gives us instructions. Now, it's not a verbal aspect, but it's the Word of God, which is alive and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword. God tells us what He wants us to do. Now, notice what He says. Sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn offspring of every woman among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast, it belongs to me. The word sanctify literally means to set apart. He set apart, says set apart every firstborn, both men and animals. He says when there is a firstborn son, when there's a firstborn animal, set those apart, they belong to me. Why? Because God saved them. Do you remember that when God said, I'm going to go through the land of Egypt and the, every firstborn will die? Was it just the firstborn of people in Egypt? It was the firstborn of what? Of animals. See, the firstborn of animals. So he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> you set apart to me every firstborn, the firstborn offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. God saved the firstborn by the Passover lamb, the substitute. The firstborn belongs to God for his special service. So God tells Moses they belong to him. Later in the passage, we, we see that, that, uh, that uh, in that same way he's going to go over it again. Now, realize that we're set apart. Have you thought about that? We always talk about there are three aspects of salvation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is when we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, we're justified and redeemed. Sanctification is our Christian life. Glorification is the future when we're with Him. Sanctify literally means to be set apart. Our Christian life is the time in which when we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, we are set apart in Him, growing to be like Christ. So in the sense when He says, set apart to me every firstborn, understand that when you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you are set apart in Christ. One of the Greek words for set apart is hagias, which is the word we get saint. Everyone who's a believer is called a what? Called a saint because we're set apart in Jesus Christ. And so we're sanctified. We're set apart in Christ. First Corinthians 6.19 says, What, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? You're not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. We've been set apart to serve him. Now, there's a misconception. A lot of people, when they think about being set apart, they think they're set apart from the world. They say, oh, I'm a Christian now. I've got to live separate from the world. There's a truth in that, but the sanctification is not set apart from the world. The sanctification is set apart in Christ. We're sanctified in Jesus Christ. And the goal is to be like Christ, not just to be separate from the world. Because we've seen what's happened when Christians throughout history, <clears throat> their emphasis is to not be like the world. They look weird. Because they do a lot of different things that are weird looking. And they try not to be like the world. But the truth is we try to be like who? Jesus Christ. Because we're set apart in him. Now, look what he goes on to say. It, this is the memorial. He says, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt for the house of slavery. For by a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. 
and nothing leavened shall be eaten. Now you remember that part of this whole thing of the Passover is that they set apart, they killed the Passover lamb, and then for seven days they had no leaven, no leaven in their bread or anything. Leaven was a picture of sin. And so what they're really saying is we've been set apart in Jesus Christ, and we're set apart as holy people. And so from that time on, we're supposed to be uh, without leaven, which would be without sin. It's a powerful reminder. Now, he said, notice this, remember this day which you went out from the, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Israel did not come out from Egypt by their own power. Israel were slaves. They had not, they, they did not raise a hand. God brought them out. Now, the instructions on the leaven, remember he says, that's a picture of sin, so you're set apart as holy people. That's what they're supposed to be. The Jewish people coming out, the two million people coming out are sanctified, holy people set apart to God. They have on the 14th day of the first month, Passover. On the 15th through the 21st, they have unleavened bread in which they're set apart people for God. That's what they're supposed to do. Now, look what he goes on to say. Verse 4, on this day in the month of Abed, you are to go forth. Now, Abed and Nisan are the same. They're the same month. They just got two different names. Uh, the 14th day of the first month of Nisan is what we call Passover. It happens to be a bid here or a bid. It says, It shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. He says, One day, God's going to take you back to the land. We did a study. If you remember, this study of Exodus continues from our study of Genesis. We went all the way back and we started the book of Genesis and we saw the creation the fall, the flood, all of those things. We saw God choosing Abraham and saying to Abraham, I promise you this land. And then he promised his son Isaac this land. He promised his son Jacob this land. And then they got taken off into Egypt. And they've been in Egypt 420 years, or 430, 420. They're coming back, right? They're coming back to the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, I want you to go back. This is the land. When you go to the land of the Canaanites, which I promise to you, when you get back into the land every year on this month, you observe this. Now, the Jewish people have the, the festivals and the feast that they observe all the time. I don't know if you realize this, but in, uh, uh, in Sunday morning, you remember we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, right? We're in the Feast of Tabernacles. It's coming up very soon. In fact, are we in it now? I can't remember. Who's got, anybody got the Jewish calendar? I can't remember. We just had, we just, huh, Yom Kippur was when? This weekend. So Feast of Tabernacles starts sometime this coming week. So the feast that we see in the book of John where Jesus came in there and at the Feast of Tabernacles, an eight-day celebration, that's coming up this next week. Okay, if you wait a few months, like four or five months, we're going to be at the same time this takes place, Passover. And so he says, every year at this time, Jewish people are to remember what God has done. And he lists the people they're going to take the land, that, that people living in that land, but that's really their land. He then goes on to remind them. He said, listen, for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be eat seen among you. Now shall any leaven be among you in all your borders. Now, people sometimes say, what is the big deal? Just because it was leavened, well, no, it's unleavened, meaning there's no leaven in it, which is a picture of no sin, because they are the holy people that God set apart. 
And so think about that. When, when we think about our lives, the Bible talks about living righteously and godly and in a present age and, and growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ and living in the power of the Holy Spirit and living by the Scripture. We're supposed to be holy and set-apart people, too, in the same way. Uh, sometimes we sin, sometimes we fall. Jewish people did the same thing. But what we're supposed to be is holy people. Now watch what he says. He says, you shall tell your son on that day, saying, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. He says, tell your son. Now, why is it so important to tell the son? Because the son, huh? It, well, they weren't there, that's one. But number two is, uh, if we didn't do this, you wouldn't be here, Right? I mean, the firstborn son, the only reason the firstborn son is alive is because of the Passover. And when you get into the land, you tell all firstborn son, just be thankful that all the firstborns belong to the Lord because he delivered us from Egypt and he made sure that we were okay. Look what he says. This shall serve as a sign to you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Now, he just said... On your hand and on your forehead, what literally says between the eyes, that's what forehead, it literally said between your eyes. It would be a sign so you'll remember. Put this in your mind and on your hand so you'll not forget. Now I want you to think about that. When he said it should be a sign on your hand, the idea of what you do when you do the Passover, you remember what God did. It'll be a reminder on your forehead. It's like, I remember what God did for me. And that the law may be in your mouth. You're going to tell people what God did for you. Now, the Jewish people are very literal people. And when he said to them, it'll be like a sign on your hand. It'll be right there in your mind. It'll be coming out of your mouth. They said, we better put it here and we better put it here. They really thought that way. And so it will be a sign. And he says, the word of God is in your mouth. We've got to tell people. And so, therefore, look, therefore you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. It's the Passover and unleavened bread. Now, what is so amazing about that, and you remember we talked about it on Sunday mornings, that Passover is when the lamb dies and it pays for the sin, basically, or covered the sin. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and we've been seeing it on Sunday mornings, that Jesus is heading toward Passover, and he's going to come to, to Jerusalem in Passover, and he's going to die on the cross on Passover is our Passover lamb. That's who he is. They are not arresting him. They are not taking him. They are not grabbing him. He is laying down his life, and he takes it up again. We'll see that. As we said, <clears throat> the key is not to forget what God has done for us. We have salvation and security and protection and all of that. We must pass this on to our children. Think about this. Think of what you have. You have the greatest message of all, right? That Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, and he gives eternal life. And, and we get to tell that to other people. We get to pass it on, first of all, to who? Who's the first people we pass it to? Our kids, our family. Now, as I said, the Jewish people took this literally, and they made little boxes to wear on their arms and forehead. If you've watched them, sometimes right around their wrist, there's a little box. And inside that box is Scripture. Also, they have little boxes, sometimes put right there, and they tie it, and then walk around with a little box right there. And, and people... People know what that is. They, the, the other Jewish people know that, okay, they're, they're putting the word of God there. If you come to their homes, sometimes right out in front of the door, there's a little deal right there, a little, and it has scripture in there. Because he says, your word shall be in my, in your houses, and when you lay down, and when you stand up. And so they took it literally. Uh, this, God did not want them to forget. Now, we don't need to take it, I don't, I don't think we need to take it that literally, you know. 
But what you should do is hide it in your mind. Put the Word of God in your brain. And you know, I, I've, we've been, um, I've talked about this before, but I have a group of guys on Tuesday morning, a group of guys on Thursday morning, and we have, we have a lot of verses that we try to memorize. And probably about 10 to 15 to 20 years ago, I can't remember exactly when I really started this, but I had, I had, I've memorized verses, but not a lot. And it seemed like it was a, a number of years ago, we started doing this memorization, and it is amazing how it's helped me. Because I can stand up on a Sunday morning, and I can just say a verse without saying, well, 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19 says, I can just give it to you. And you can too. And that's, it, it, it really helps because as we go through life and we think of a verse, and he says, study to show yourself approved. A workman need not be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of God. You think, that's right. You're supposed to study the Bible. And, and all kind of things. He says, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. The verses are in our minds. And so just like he told them, don't forget. Put it right here. Put it right here. We say, don't forget it. Put it in your mind. Think of the redemption that God has for us. So it's powerful truth. Well, from there, now notice what happens. He's going to give some details on this firstborn. Watch. When the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you, and to your fathers, and he gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. So he said, when you come to the land that God swore to give you, because he promised it to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, he said this promise, and God always keeps his promise, by the way, he promised the land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants. He said, what you do is you shall devote. The word devote means to set apart. It's a little bit different word than the other Hebrew word to set apart, but it, it has the same meaning. It says you shall devote to the Lord. The first offspring of every womb. Every time there's something born, the very first one that comes out, the first offspring of every animal that you own and the males belong. Why? Because he saved them in Egypt and they belong to him. Now, I want to remind you of something. Do you know that, that in, the Jew, in the nation of Israel, every firstborn son belongs to God? Is that right? And you remember what happened when they decided to choose a particular tribe to become the priest? He chose the tribe of Levi. And what happened is the Levites took the place of the firstborn sons. Now, you always still had to buy back the firstborn sons because that's the rule. But when they got the tribe of Levi and they counted all the firstborn sons, there wasn't enough of them. So they had to go and purchase other, uh, give money to purchase it so they'd have enough firstborn sons to take over in the nation, in the tribe of Levi. But still, all the way, even to the time of Jesus Christ, they still bought back firstborn sons. You remember that when Mary had Jesus on the eighth day, they took him where? To the temple and to, and they, they offered him and, and uh, had him circumcised and named him. Then 33 days later, they took him back on the 40th day, and they did what? They bought him. They, they went in and purchased him and paid the thing to get the son back. That's what they did. And he says, listen, it, you shall devote to the Lord every offspring, uh, firstborn offspring of every womb. The males belong to the Lord. By the way, now here's what it is. Firstborn of man and beast. Did, I, did we skip a... No, go to the next one. If it's an animal, you sacrifice it to God. Listen, if it's an animal and it comes out 
you kill it. You sacrifice it to God. If it's a person, if it's a boy, you redeem it. You pay the price. You don't kill your sons because they, they belong to God. So God says, okay, if they belong to me, I'll let you buy them. I'll let you keep them. You make a redemption. You make a redemption. Now, it gets very practical because there were some animals that were clean animals and some animals that were unclean animals, right? There were some animals they used to do all their work, like a donkey. Notice this, verse 13. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you don't redeem it, you have to break its neck. Now, every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, why, why did the... The first, it said every animal that comes out, the firstborn is supposed to be put to death. Now, if it's a son, you redeem him. Why did they, why did they, why did he give a break to the firstborn of the donkey? They were valuable. They, they were their, they were their work animals. So he says this, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a break. If it happens when your donkey comes out, you can redeem it with a lamb, because you got a lot of lambs, but you really need your donkeys. Now, if you decide that you're not gonna, Give up a lamb for the donkey, then you gotta kill the donkey. You gotta break its neck. Because all firstborns belong to the Lord. And so he says, I'll give you a break on that one, because you say, gosh, well, these donkeys are really valuable. Yeah, okay, we'll let you do it with a lamb. But the firstborn offspring of a donkey, you shall redeem a lamb, but you, if you don't redeem it, you have to break its neck. But every firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. The, yes. Right, and a donkey was an unclean animal, by the way, where the lamb wasn't. You're exactly right. So there's a part to it. There's a lot of different things there. And he basically says this animal is a work animal, and it's not an animal you can eat. But the lamb is. So he gave a substitute there. So you're exactly right. Good point. Um, <clears throat> so bottom line, you shall, if it's a donkey, you can redeem it with a lamb. If it's a person, you always redeem your sons. The p purchase price was five shekels. As you get later on in, uh, later on in the book of Numbers, you see the price was that. The whole point was the firstborn belonged to God. Now, think about it if you're the firstborn as you grow up a little bit and you see what happens. Here's what it says. And it wouldn't be when your son, verse 14, asks you in the time to come saying, what is this? Then you'll say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. He said, then when your son comes up to you and says, what is this all about? You say to him, this is what happened. God brought us out of Egypt. It came about, verse 15, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So he said, this is what happened. When Pharaoh was mean, was stubborn, he wouldn't let us go, God said, okay, I'm going to kill every firstborn, both of man and animal. And that's what he did. And so from this point on, we sacrifice to the Lord the animals and we redeem the sons. The whole idea, notice, so shall it serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries on your forehead, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. The phylacteries are the little boxes. He told them they could, they could do it. That's why the ones who hold to the Scripture literally do this. Others would say, well, I don't know if I want to wear a little box around to show that I'm memorizing the Scripture and that I've got it in my mind, but I do have it in my mind. But he actually told them they could do that, those little boxes. He said, never forget what I 
have done. How many times do we as believers go through life and we take for granted what Jesus Christ has done for us? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one that died in our place. He's our substitute. He gives to us eternal life as a gift. It's not our works, our righteousness, our goodness. It is simply faith alone in Christ alone. He died and rose again for us, and he gives us life. We never want to forget. When you wake up in the morning, every day that you wake up, first of all, you should say, thank you for letting me live another day, because you don't have to. You don't have to let you live another day. And the older you get, the more you realize you don't, he doesn't have to let you live another day. And when you wake up, you say, thank you for letting me live another day. And thank you for Jesus who gives me eternal life. We should do that when we wake up. Never forget what he has done. Now, the last part of this, and this is verse 17 through 22, we're going to see how he is leading them, how he's providing them, he's protecting them. Now, I want you to picture this. You're the Jewish people. He told you this. He said, on this night, this is going to be the greatest night uh, that you can remember. What I want you to do is get the lamb. Kill it. Put the blood on the door. Eat the lamb. Eat the lamb with your sandals on, your loins girded, and your staff in your hand because you are going out. And sure enough, they ate that middle of the night. In the middle of the night, the death of the firstborn, when people woke up, there was a death in every home. It was either the Passover lamb or the firstborn son. Pharaoh called in Moses and says, you can leave. Get out of here. In fact, go and do what you're supposed to do, and may God bless me. And as the people were leaving, they turned to the Egyptians and said, can I have that gold? Can I have that silver? Can I have those earrings? Can I have this? Can I have And they gave it to them. And now, just picture, you're Jewish, and you're going, and you're fixing to leave, and you got all your stuff. In fact, your bread doesn't have time to rise because there's no leaven. And so you're leaving fast, so you got all your stuff on your back. We're going to see it when you get into some of the other passages. They're, 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 they've got all their stuff, and they're carrying it, and they're going out, and their families are all leaving. Think about this. By the way, what possessions do they have? Almost nothing, right? They're slaves. They don't have anything. They don't say, I'm leaving a great house. No, they're not. They're leaving nothing. And... Uh, that's what the world really is, by the way. Egypt is a picture of the world, and this is redemption out from the world through Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. The world has nothing to offer us. It looks like it does, and, and that's why Lot's wife, she didn't want to leave because she liked the world. And there's a lot of people who do that. They say, I just, mm, there's just so much here. There's actually nothing here. It's all, it's all lies of the devil, as we saw this morning. But they're, they're leaving. And picture yourself leaving. How are we going to get out of here? Where are we going to go? By the way, where are we going? Where are we going? We're going where? Promised land. Yeah, we're going home. Some of them say home. We've never heard it. We don't even know what it looks like. We, we've lived here how long? 400 years. Is anybody alive that ever saw that land? No. And by the way, when you get there, there'll be houses set up for us. There'll be little signs that say, welcome home, Jewish people. Yay, come on in, right? What's Who's living there? The Hittites and the Jebusites and the electric lights. I mean, there are all these people there, right? I mean, you think these people are going to give up their land? So going back is like you're going back, but God will give you that land. And so we're leaving. We're leaving right now. We're ready to go out. But notice what he does. Verse 17. 
Now, when the Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now, out of Egypt, the best we could tell, there were three ways. There was a way north, which would take them directly through the land of the Philistines. It was the shortest route. Okay. Second, there was a way that if you go directly east, go into the middle, and then if you went south, you went to the wilderness. And so he didn't take them He didn't take them by way of the Philistines because there were war going on with the Philistines. And he says, I'm afraid if they go that way, they'll see war and they'll turn back. They'll turn back and go back to Egypt. So look what he does. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in in, uh, martial array from the land of Egypt. Now, next week... I'm going to have a, a map to try to show you. The, there's all kind of different views on where did they leave, where did they go, where did they cross the Red Sea. Was it called the Red Sea? Was it called the Reed Sea? Was it a deep sea or was it a shallow sea? What was it? People all argue forever about this, and we're going to just show you the best that we can tell about which way they went. But it says that he led them by way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in array, and they're ready to go from the land of Egypt. You, you know, we're, we're marching out of here, aren't we? We're marching out of here. What does it mean, martial array? We're going out in order. We're going out in order because we are going out because we're not slaves anymore, right? We've been slaves all our life, but we're not slaves anymore because God has redeemed us. We saw what he did. We're not going to put up with this anymore, right? Isn't that what we're doing? We got our stuff. We're leaving. And we said to him, I want those earrings. I want that gold stuff. I want this stuff. Can I have the silver? And we're going, we got stuff. We got stuff. We've had, we've had no stuff for a long time. And now we got stuff. Watch what happened. Moses took the bone. What? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. How in the world you think about it, Joseph was, was the famous man who, who had lit, when the nation of Israel went there, he was raised up to number two, and he saved all the Egyptians, he saved everybody, he was a hero in Egypt, and, and, and then, and then a Pharaoh came in and didn't know Joseph after Joseph died, and that's why the children of Israel got put into slavery. But why, why can you even find the bones of Joseph. He was embalmed. See, most people weren't embalmed. Even in Egypt, we talked about in the embalming, and they embalmed the, the pharaohs and their, their famous ones. But the average person wasn't embalmed. They just died. Well, But, Mo, but uh, Joseph was so famous that they embalmed him. And if you remember this, this is in, let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn back there. But in Genesis 50, it says this, Now Joseph stayed in Egypt in his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of his sons. Joseph said to his brothers, verse 24, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this is Joseph saying, listen, I'm dying, but one of these days y'all are going home. And when you go home, here's what I want you to do. Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you. You shall carry my bones up from here. He says, I do not want to be here because when the resurrection comes, I do not want to be resurrected in Egypt. I want to be resurrected in the promised land. So Genesis ends by saying, so Joseph died at the age of 110, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Notice again Exodus he says, so Joseph took the, uh, Moses took the jo- bones of Joseph. Can you see Moses going in and saying, listen, we've come to get the, uh, the, the coffin right there with Joseph in there. 
And you can just see the Egyptians going, okay. And they, you can see them carrying it out. We, he promised. We told him. He, we made a promise to him. Just think it's been passed down for how many years? 400 years that we're taking the bones out. Because when we get there, you know what's going to happen? They're going to get there. They're eventually going to bury his bones in the promised land. Because that's the promise. So he says, surely God will take care of you and carry my bones from here. Now, get, they're getting ready to leave. Watch what happens. Then they set out from Succoth and camped at, in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. So on the wilderness, everything looks fine. We're going to say it looks fine. But notice what God's going to do. He's going to protect them and lead them. And watch, it says, he led and protected them. There was a cloud by day and fire by night. Watch. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. In the daytime, there was this cloud. Sometimes it was called the Shekinah glory. It was supposed to be the glory of God, the presence of God. And there was this cloud. And we're going to see later on as you get further in the book, it talks about that when the cloud would come down, they stopped. And then when the cloud would go up, they would get ready to leave. And then when the cloud would move, they would follow the cloud. Now, at nighttime, it was this pillar of fire. And it did the same thing. So they could travel day or night because they could see because of this light. Notice what it goes on to say. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. See, so at night, I've got, look at this, the next slide. At night, there was light and warmth in the day. There was shade. Well, there was a cloud. You ever been outside and, and it's really hot and then a cloud comes? How do you feel? We were at the football game yesterday and it was, uh, it was pretty hot at the start. And then all of a sudden this cloud came over and I went, well, hey, that feels a lot better. Think about the Jewish people. Where are they fixing to go? Into the wilderness. And so during the day, what are they going to have to shade them? A cloud. And what are they going to have at night? Fill of fire so they can see. Do you think about that? Let me just ask you a question. There's two million people. If everybody drinks one glass of water per day, where are you going to find enough water for all those people in the desert? And that's not even counting their animals. And I think you all drink more than one glass of water a day, don't you? Especially if you're outside in the wilderness. God is going to provide for two million people in the middle of nowhere. He does it. It's amazing. Now, you're gonna, we're going to see something amazing when the Egyptians come after him, because that's chapter 14, they're coming after him. And so what God does is when they come after him, he takes that pillar of fire and he just moves it around to the back. And the Egyptians go, whoa, well, we can't get closer than that pillar of fire. And on one side of the pillar of fire, it's light. On the other side of the pillar of fire, it's what? It's dark. Egyptians can't see. They say, can anybody see? I can't see. Can you all see? We can't see. On the other side, Jewish people are going, we can see pretty good over here. Yeah, think about it. That's what's going to happen. Some great things. God set apart the firstborn. Details of this unleavened bread. We've seen the details on the firstborn. And then God led them cloud by day, fire by night. Let me give you applications. And then we'll have, have open up for any questions. Or I just happen to have some Bible questions for you. Okay. Applications. Let's see what they are. Realize that we are set apart children of God. That's who we are. We have been purchased by Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We belong to Jesus Christ. We need to live as set-apart, holy, righteous children of God. Now, salvation is by faith. It's not by works. And let me just say this, because most of us in this room, we know this. We've heard it so many times. But Jesus came, died for us, 
paid for our sins and rose again. And he offers a gift, the gift of eternal life. Our salvation is not based on us. It is based on Christ. So our, he's our Savior. And when we believe in him, we're saved forever. Now, the application is that we are set apart children of God. I'm sorry, go back. We're set apart children of God by faith in Christ. And so we need to realize that we need to live righteously and godly. Second, let's never forget what God has done for us. The salvation and security that we have in Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't take it for granted. It is so wonderful. You know that you have what? Eternal life. You will never perish. Is that right? That the moment you believe in Christ, he gives to you eternal life and you shall never perish. How does that make you live the Christian life? Out of love or out of fear? Out of love. See, there are people that you come in contact with every day that think that they might, they might, they believe in Jesus, but they could lose it because they might not live right or they might not do what they're supposed to do. And so they live the Christian life out of fear rather than love. We live it out of love. Never forget what God has done for us. The third thing, let's live our lives based on the Word of God. Uh, he guides us. He protects us. Let's know the Scripture. You don't have to put a little box up here, but put the Word of God in your brain. Memorize it. Know it. Live it out. May we live by God's Word in God's power as we seek as redeemed children of God to pass these great truths onto others. Let's pray, and then if you've got any questions, we'll deal with those. Heavenly Father, what a passage tonight. Thank you for the things that you have for us. Help us to know them and apply them. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the great truth that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb and that we are set apart children of God by faith in him. Thank you, Lord. May we live as children of God. May we never forget what he has done for us, and may we live our lives based on the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.